It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have our senior editor, Jake Kring Schreifels. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. If everyone notices the kind of boost in Jake's step right now, it's because he's <laughs> one year older, one year wiser, one year better at podcasting. So happy birthday, Jake. Thank you very much. You weren't kidding when you said senior editor. Yeah, never more so than right today. And also, that voice you just heard is Gary Phillips, our associate editor. How are we doing, guys? We're good. You know, I mean, I think we'd be a little bit better if we were the Nationals Magazine podcast. We'd be talking about a World Series win. But since we are the Yankees Magazine podcast, we merely have to talk about Yankees Magazine, which is fine. I I have to say, we are very lucky to be able to do that because even though it's November now, with all the focus we've been putting on the postseason of late, we... Haven't had a chance to fully talk through some of the awesome features that we have in this month's magazine. And it was a great magazine. It's so hard in October just to give everyone a little bit of uh, maybe very much inside Yankees baseball. We produced the October magazine as a standalone issue, which then becomes the Division Series magazine in the event the Yankees are in the Division Series or the Wildcard magazine as well for hosting. And so every year we kind of need to you know, adjust our planning accordingly. And it's very, it's a very difficult magazine to plan because it's serving so many purposes. And then even though it's a great magazine, the the minute the division series ends and it goes back to being the October magazine, you know, our minds are generally elsewhere. And sometimes you forget to go back to some of these great stories, but you know, that's why I'm really happy the Yankees didn't win the World Series because it gives us this opportunity to come and do this right now. And I'm joking (laughs) and hopefully no one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to whom I report. Just listen to that. But let's start right here. You know, Gary, it's never the easiest thing in the world to write a feature late in the season. And by late in the season, I mean in October about a pending free agent. And as we sit here and record this, we have absolutely no clue what the Yankees are going to do with Brett Gardner, what's going to happen. But I expect Brett Gardner will be back. I don't know anything. I have no reason for saying that other than He just seems like a guy who's going to be back. But your story, continuing with a bang, I think it did an amazing job of really telling what he brought this year in a funny way because what he also brought this year was possibly his best offensive season since I don't know when. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, I really wanted to talk to Brett about what this season was like for him because 
he seemed different in so many ways. If you've watched his entire career, you know, from his major league debut up until now, like I have, I don't think there's ever been a point where you saw him so animated on the field, so passionate, so fiery, so fun-loving. He had all these different moments throughout the season, and I'm not just talking about the bat-banging or the confrontation with umpires, although that's certainly part of it, but he had so many moments where he really seemed like he was letting his guard down and wearing his emotions on his sleeve, and I wanted to try and get to the bottom of that, and I think more or less the answer I got was he's always been this way, We're just seeing it now. And the one really revealing thing that he said to me was that he was getting older and that, you know, just learning to appreciate things and having fun more. It's always very funny to me because when I started here, you know, having been around baseball for a long time and as such, having been around Brett Gardner, I had, you know, a very clear idea of who he was. And you start talking to guys on this team on a daily basis and everyone starts telling you something that you did a great job, Gary, of bringing out in your story about how he's the funniest guy and he's the craziest guy and he's the prankster. And, I mean, it's so obvious to me now because I've been very close to this team for six seasons, but, man, is that not the impression I had before I got here? And I, and, I, and it makes me wonder, and I think this is one thing I loved about the story, like, am I viewing him differently or is he doing it more out in the open now? Well, that's kind of what I was trying to get to the bottom of and you know in my mind I went into this story thinking he's the one who's different we're all seeing a different side of him that hasn't existed before but you know when I talk to somebody like CC Sabathia who share you know is essentially his locker mate give or take a uh, a gap in the door there you know he's told me you guys are just paying attention now like you guys are just seeing it because Gardner's being given more opportunities to step up with the injuries or he's playing more than he was supposed to. So there's more attention being shown on him. But I wonder, and and Jake, I think this is where I want to bring you in here because you've been directly covering this team for the least amount of time. So I think, you know, I wonder, are Gary and I just noticing stuff too much because we've been around too long? Like, What was your impression before you started being in there every day in late July and how has it changed at all in two months? Well, I think doesn't it make sense though that he would be very secretive about his personality considering the fact that that's the way he is around the guys in order to set up a lot of these pranks that he pulls on them, right? You call him the, the ninja and I think that's what you even uh, started your, your story off with, Gary, was this is an unassuming ninja here. So I think in that sense, it does check out for me that what you guys were doing on a daily basis and not maybe seeing, I think a lot of us probably weren't really seeing that and for me, I, 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 you know, I, I was able to cover the team one one year in 2014. That was my last real impression of him. I know he won the uh, the Heart and Hustle Award that year, and that's who I just thought of Brett Gardner was. He was just going to go about his business almost like a DJ LeMahieu. Maybe he's a little bit more outspoken, but he was always just going to do whatever it took because he had to grind. I mean, this is a guy that is on the smaller side, never really had a huge upside when it came to when he was drafted and when he was getting in the, this wasn't a guy that had a lot of headlines around him. So I feel like that was always the impression was this guy really worked his butt off to be where he is. He didn't really need to go around and be a, a, a jokester with other players. On, on the smaller side could only be said by someone who's never tried paying attention to his neck, which, <laughs> I mean, is an absolute offensive lineman's neck. Yes, pure in stature, not in bulk. 
You know, Gary, Brett is one of the more accommodating guys in the team. It's not always the easiest to get him right away, but he's actually one of those guys who like kind of keeps a list in his head of, of who he owes interviews to, in a sense. And there's a lot of guys who will blow you off by saying, I'll get you tomorrow, whereas Gardner is the guy who he will come it. up to you tomorrow and say, like, are you ready yet? And it's always a little like disarming when he does it. So... When when you do spend a lot of time with him, like you did for this story, what are you picking up from him as as the 10, 15 minutes or whatever it is is going along? To speak to what you said, he's great. He's very accommodating. He'll answer your questions. But what you pick up from him is that he really doesn't like to answer questions about himself or talk about himself. And I think I referenced that several times in the story. There's one point even where he says, I'm not my favorite subject, which, you know, it makes it it makes it a little tough when you're trying to write a profile on Brett Gardner. So what I kind of picked up through this is that I think he wants to be that unassuming guy. He doesn't necessarily want to be the guy that went viral in several different clips or gifts this year. He wants to keep all the jokes and the passion and the fire in the dugout, in the clubhouse. He doesn't want to be in the spotlight because of the things he's doing. But at the same time, I think he kind of let his guard down this year. He made a point to do it to the extent where he just wanted to enjoy himself and everything else be damned. If it got attention, it got attention. And it certainly did this year. But that, that's the biggest takeaway from talking to Brett is that he really would rather talk about anything else than himself. I almost wonder if it has something to do with Aaron Boone, too, and just having a manager that I think he can probably really connect with just from having played the game so recently and, and just feeling like he could be more of himself around Aaron. And, and that's the way it seems like a lot of players maybe have felt, too, was just their own personality can be bigger than maybe what it used to be and it didn't you know we talk about Joe Girardi having his rules and and that was something that I think has kind of even carried over when he started his press conference with the Phillies everyone was asking okay what are your rules going to be I think with with Aaron it seems from just my perspective this clubhouse this year everyone was really their their own self and that all kind of worked really well as a chemistry thing obviously for Yankees fans there's a lot of disappointing parts of the fact that the Astros won that series and the Nationals then won the World Series. I think for me, one of the most disappointing parts is we aren't going to get any of the beat writers or columnists going really, really deep on this season to uh, put together moments because I want to know so much about what happened in June and July. I'll start it off at the moment in Cleveland when he threw his helmet at Ricochet and hit him <laughs> in the lip. I was on that trip in Cleveland, and our photographer, who was like right outside the Yankees' dugout in the photo walls before anyone had seen it on TV, is like, yo, she texted me, yo, Gardner just chucked his helmet. It hit himself. It hit him in the face, and he's bleeding like crazy right now. Um, and it became this kind of funny thing. And then, and then you have, you know, obviously he learns his lesson and stops throwing his helmet and – I remember I'm sitting in the press box at Yankee Stadium and you can hear the pounding <laughs> of something. You can see like the dugout roof moving. And then, of course, that day, you know, you get the whole Savages in the Box video and you get a couple more of those. And I'm just wondering, what, the one thing I want to know, which there's no way he'll ever answer, but no one was able to give me a good answer in the moment was, at some point, despite all the support he was getting from his teammates and his manager, was there someone who sat him down and said, hey, man, you have to stop doing this because it's funny, but Aaron can't keep getting ejected and you can't keep getting ejected. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know if that's uh, something he was uh, ever told 
to knock off. Um, <laughs> well, he has to recognize that at some point. I mean, this guy's been around for a while. He has to see somehow there's a cause and effect here. Well, it's kind of fun. Like, it reminded me of, like, when I was in Little League and, like, you know, you're eight, nine, ten years old or whatever, and you're, like, trying to rattle the pitcher. So, like, you know, you shake the fence or, you know, you're mad at the umpire. So, like, you're slamming your hands on the chain link fence or whatever. But, like, there's no rules that say... No, no making noise in the dugout. No banging your bat against the dugout. So, like to that extent, he had a point. But at the same time, like you said, you can't keep getting ejected for these things. And it definitely got to the point where umpires were looking, looking yeah. for it, and but almost we, hoping they'd do it. It was just such this weird moment of the season where, on the one hand, and this is all totally understandable from a marketing and just entertainment perspective. On the one hand, you had, you know, the Yankees embracing and making T-shirts and selling T-shirts, savages in the box. And you always knew Boone himself was a little bit uncomfortable with his role in that whole thing. And then you had, there was just like a couple weeks in a row of like Gardner seemingly thinking it was okay. And the team rallying behind him (laughs) so strongly. And you just have these umps walk over to him and toss him. And he'd be like, hey, for what? And everyone watching on the TV is like, well... And then it gets to the point where, you know, that becomes the getting on base celebration where, exactly. you know, they mimic the let Brett bang movement. Like it's a good it's a good conversation starter, though. Like, what is the role of the umpire when the when the dugout is minding its own business, but the noise isn't <laughs> no, you know? noise gets guys rattled up like it's it's not against the rules. But maybe maybe that'll change the offseason. Like I said, I, I think if the Yankees won the World Series, this would be a chapter and someone's book and it's a shame that that's right. not there now it might just be a footnote in the obituary of the season and an right? excellent segment in the yankees magazine podcast yes that's why we're here they all are <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly there like there's another kind <laughs> so gary you know what, what's your prediction do, do you expect gardner's going to be back perhaps uh, by the time this podcast is released i i think that seems like a pretty safe bet i thought it was before we found out Aaron Hicks needs Tommy John surgery, and I feel like that only makes things more likely. Um, From talking to Brett, I can say he certainly wants to be back, even though he wouldn't go so far as to speak about anything past the postseason. Now, he made it pretty clear that being in almost an identical situation last year, he never got to the point where he was considering other teams or looking to go elsewhere. You know, this is this is where he wants to be, and now the Yankees have a very clear path for him to be back. I'd I'd be surprised if he wasn't, especially because not only do you need to make up for Hicks's absence, but also from a leadership standpoint, I, I think it would be a hit to that locker room to lose. CC Sabathia and Brett Gardner in the same offseason. A, m- a million percent. I mean, you, you hit what I was going to say right there that someone needs to do a lot of what CC did, and Judge is going to do it eventually, but Gardner's really great at it right now. I just also think, and, and I'm not comparing them as players, but I have an easier time seeing like Derek Jeter in a Padres uniform than I do Brett Gardner. There's just no way I could see him. <laughs> really? Derek Jeter? Yes. No, I, I, I really do mean it. Like, I, I think that. There were a couple of really public, difficult, kind of awkward negotiations that you saw between the Yankees and Jeter at different times that I think he was ready to go somewhere. I'm kind of guessing, and again, I can't stress this enough, we are the New York Yankees, we are in Yankee Stadium, but we have no knowledge of anything. (laughs) I, I just feel like Gardner and his people go to Cashman and say, basically, like, you know the number, get close. 
I don't think he wants to play for a long time. I don't think that he wants to test out the market to see if, if there's a long-term deal out there. I think he wants one more year and then maybe a year after that. But I don't think he wants to be a Seattle Mariner. Like, I, I just don't. I, don't I can't see Brett Gardner playing someplace else. If they say, for whatever reason, they're not interested in bringing him back for 2020, I don't know where exactly that leaves him. But uh, I, I, he made it... It's funny because like he would not speak about anything past the postseason, but he would speak about what he went through last offseason. And just based on that, I, I can't imagine he has any interest playing anywhere else. I, I don't think that means he would necessarily retire if the Yankees didn't want him back, but I think right now... Before you the think Yankee- he'd go play independent ball? <laughs> right, right now, before the Yankees make a decision, I don't think he has any interest in exploring other options. So. The dilemma that the Yankees have, which was the exact opposite of dilemma this summer, was that they have all this depth that they have to contemplate now. You look at Mike Talkman coming back, and he's under team control for a long time, but you know he was a huge bright spot this year. And Cam- Cameron Mabin, too. And, and guys that had... Uh, really stepped up. Now you think, well, can they do it a second year? But that is that more of a variable than Brett Gardner repeating this season? But that's the funny thing you mentioned because, like you like you just said there at the end, you know, yeah, Talkman had a really good year and it was impressive to watch, and Maben was you know a, a bright spot, but Gardner was better. Um, you know, Gardner. I don't think you're bringing back Gardner simply at, on a leadership you know, contract. You know, on a a veteran experience deal. No, yeah, um, he produced. He produced really well this year. The stadium is still absolutely built for him. Like, I mean, he there's maybe Didi Gregorius, who is another guy we could talk about at some point, but I don't think there's too many other players who are more just built for, you know, hitting from the left-handed batter's box at Yankee Stadium. And I don't know. I, I, I'm not suggesting he's the player he was when he was 30. I think he's very different, but he was an incredibly valuable part of this team's offense this year. And stayed healthy. And stayed healthy. And I think Mike Talkman was a cool story. But if I'm picking one of those two guys, and it's not my money, and I'm not suggesting the money's the same, but I can't slot Talkman in over Gardner right now necessarily. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that, but I can't do it. You also have to consider, I mean, yeah, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of capable outfielders. You know, Clint Frazier's another possibility. But if anything... This season was a testament to you really never have enough. And Gardner's not going to be a guy that you're breaking the bank over. And at the same time, he does add value off the field and is still a very productive player. So, yeah, I, I, th- it, I think we're all in agreement here in terms of, of, of what we at least expect. I'm still, you know, kind of shaking from last year's hot stove league where we kind of had did the same episode every other week, you know, kind of expecting everything that was going to happen and nothing happened until spring, you know, with, with the exception of CC and Gardner, which, which did happen quickly, but I, I'm expecting this is going to be a quick one. I'm ready to be surprised and shocked by new Atlanta brave Brett Gardner, but you know, I, I think he'll be back. And if he's not, you know, I, I just think what a fun Yankees career he's had to this point. You know, his first you know real year on the scene was the 09 World Series, kind of like CC. But he's just, I've always felt like he was very confident in who he is. He wasn't going to pretend to be a different kind of person, a different kind of player for anybody. And it's, it's always a little bit uncomfortable when I start doing this stuff because 
I talked about it a lot when we were having our conversations about the Stonewall things and everything like that. And it's something that's always going to stick with me. Maybe cynically and certainly unfairly, you you sometimes walk into these rooms and get some impressions of you know the different guys in there and the different things you can talk to about different guys too. And look, I'm not going to pretend that there is not a part of Brett Gardner that will first be in my mind as you know the Southern boy from. Holly Hill, South Carolina, but I've always been impressed by the way he can handle any topic, he can handle any subject, he can handle any person. I don't claim for a second to know, you know, his politics or anything like that or what he cares about or what he doesn't care about, but he always did seem to know how a clubhouse works and how to be around just a huge mix of people. And that's not just players, that's fans, that's reporters. So I I, I, I say strongly, I, I hope and expect he's back, but if he's not back, I've really just enjoyed being around him. What I wonder is this, and I guess this is getting ahead of myself a little bit, but let's say he does come back this year, or and this is his last season, or next season's his last season, and he does it both in pinstripes. Will he be a guy that says it's going to be his last season ahead of time? Because I think the perception of him that we were talking about before is that he will be somebody that wants nothing to do with all that you know the farewell tour the goodbyes the recognition all that but at the same time i wonder if he realizes especially in the last few years in the post core four the post jeter era how beloved he is by yankees fans like i mean just using this story i wrote as a very small sample size i don't think anything i wrote this year for the magazine got more engagement on twitter because People just love, I mean, they love Brett Gardner. And I wonder if he would be willing to give that goodbye tour to them. I don't know if the goodbye tour is something that every player needs to have. I think, especially with position players, when you know they're still unsure about their playing career and whether teams outside of the one team they've ever played for are actually interested in their services. You know, this is why it's so hard for anybody to finish their career with one team because while one team is clearly ready to move on and and there's another team that's ready to say, hey, we just need a, a veteran in, in our really young team right now that we want to bring in. So that's always hard because especially if you're a player ready to make that commitment you never know. Sometimes a new city brings you a little bit more energy and a little bit more youth and you just want to do something a little bit different to kind of offer your services somewhere where you never thought it would be possible. So that's why it's always hard with, with a guy that's aging is does, does, does he want to just officially declare something? Because obviously we've seen plenty of cases with past athletes where they say, yeah, I'm retiring. And then they come back a year or two later, Jason Witten, <laughs> just recently with the Cowboys even. It's maybe maybe just a football thing because I'm thinking about Brett Favre as well. But there are, I think, probably a little bit more difficult decisions when you're a position player and you feel like you could give it a little bit more if you wanted to, as opposed to we saw with CeCe. I mean, he's just giving it everything he can. And unfortunately, that was the way he went out. But but he also said that he liked the bullpen roll so much that he could have seen himself. <laughs> he did. He did. It's hard. You know what? I'm 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 gonna come down pretty equivocally on the no. Uh, there's no way that he will announce it's his last year. He's he's gonna go the Andy Pettit route. Maybe he'll give the Yankees marketing team a week and tell them <laughs> at the end of September. Yeah, for me, I, I I agree with you. I see I see him doing that, but I just you know it seems like it would be unfair for the fans that have really come to love him because I I don't know if he realizes how 
popular he is amongst that group now. I think I think the similar question that I have is, do you think he goes in Monument Park? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. It's hard. I, I don't see it as so assuredly. I think him and CC will both be there. I think CC will be there for sure. I think Gardner. I, I wonder if it's a plaque or a number situation or what. I can see it in my head. I can see it happening. He's just that beloved. The, the, there's one guy right now who I can say in my head that like I feel is next. And that's Matsui. I still expect Matsui to go in there one way or another, just in terms of the way everyone reacts when he comes back here. There are business reasons to do it. I mean, very candidly. But I could see Gardner being in there. I, I just feel like there's just something about him that is very evocative of what that space is supposed to mean in ways that other players, other great players in the Yankees aren't. And, I, and I'm not playing this earn your pinstripes or, you know, a true Yankee or anything like that. I'm just more saying that there was a resonance to Brett Gardner over his career to date, and we'll see however long it continues, but that if if I were forced to choose right now, I would expect, yeah, that he has that ceremony. I also think you do it because he and CeCe are representative of what was a transitional era in Yankees baseball, and this is something I touched on in the story too, is that you had the core four era, and you have the baby bombers, but there was a stretch in between there, and you know, things weren't always so great as far as the play on the field, the product on the field during that time. But Sabathia and Gardner being a homegrown guy, especially, uh, I think you, you almost have them in there as representatives for this era because at the end of the day, Mount Union Park is a museum and it's you know, supposed to be reflective of Yankees history. And these are guys that kind of transcended multiple errors and became beloved and fan favorites in their own respective ways. So like we said, the story is continuing with a bang. We will see whether indeed it does continue with a bang, but uh, we were not ready to say going out with a bang. We were, however, insistent on playing off bang. In yes, that was, that was my requirement for the story. <laughs> but check it out in the October issue. You know, the magazine, it also has a story that I wrote, as we've discussed, about CC saying goodbye, as well as plenty of coverage of you know doing our best uh, to wrap up the 2019 season. But when we get back from this break, we're going to go very much to a different angle, you know, a fictional one. And we're going to talk about uh, the anniversary of a movie that Jake really likes and that I've never seen. Um, but <laughs> I it's, too it, have never seen. Filmed uh, most of its major baseball scenes right here at Yankee Stadium. So stick with us. Hi, this is Aaron Judge. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. The Yankees Magazine podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine podcast. It's the offseason, as you know. There's going to be things changing a little bit over the course of the next few months as we get ourselves ready to get back into the season. Things are going to get a little looser at times, a little more fun. We're going to do a lot more lists and drafts and things like that, just ways to pass the time again, because if this hot stove season is anything like the last one, there will be no baseball news to discuss for months One thing that I would urge everybody listening right now is to pause this, 
promise that you'll return to it later. But email letters at yankees.com or podcast at yankees.com with questions you have for us. They can be about the Yankees. They can be about our processes. They can be about specific stories that, you know, whether I've written or Al's written or Nathan's written, Jake, Gary, anyone, you know, questions that you have for us. We're going to put the best ones together into an episode as we did last year. Any person whose question is chosen will win two free tickets to a 2020 Yankees game. So by all means, please get your questions in, flood us with them, and hopefully we'll have a good mailbag episode sometime around the new year. But like I said, it's going to get harder this time of year to discuss actual events on the field or things that have happened. So, you know, we'll move into the realm of fiction now by looking back at the 1999 film For Love of the Game. Jake, huge fan of the movie. (laughs) Kevin Costner, diehard that you are. You wrote a loving look back at uh, not just the movie, but also the Yankee Stadium as it appears in the movie. Well, those of you who are still getting to know me know that I am a big movie fan and I write about movies a lot. I'm able to really combine the Yankees and Hollywood in this piece because 20 years ago, this movie came out and it actually really syncs up with this uh, time period we're in right now in November because a lot of this movie in 1998, a year before it actually came out, was shot in Yankee Stadium right after the Yankees beat the Padres in four games in the World Series. So there was a lot of euphoric highs in in Yankee heaven here. And so it was almost a a blessing for the film crew to come in and and probably win their way in in, in terms of filming here. A lot of people were pretty happy. Say, oh yeah, sure, let's come on. Let's make make this a, a great opportunity because... There was uh, there was a lot of excitement, obviously, in the late '90s. So this this was actually a really great movie in the sense that it got baseball from the actual playing perspective and the actual filming of the scenes and the way it was broadcast to fans. It, it got that perspective really, really well, in my opinion. Now, a lot of fans understand that. This movie, For Love of the Game, is about Kevin Costner and Kelly Preston, and it's kind of this weird kind of romantic baseball drama. I decided not to really dive into that part of this movie because it's not really the focus. The focus for me was, obviously, they filmed five weeks here in New York in Yankee Stadium, and they did it in a way that was perfect because it really was about the essence of playing inside Yankee Stadium. It was about those fans and the atmosphere that this cathedral as uh, Vince Scully, who they got in this movie, which is another great thing, really says at the end. I've only seen a few scenes here and there, and I didn't know much about the movie going in. What I loved so much about the story was what you just mentioned, the effort that they put into realism. I loved getting Augie Garrido in here kind of and, and his players to serve mm-hmm. as the players, but also him to be the technical advisor and coach and everything like that. And I loved the scene that you describe of, you know, Costner basically like throwing out his arm yeah. <laughs> during the scenes. And, you know, he, Costner, you saw in Field of Dreams and you saw in Bull Durham and obviously you saw in this, he's a guy who enjoys baseball movies, enjoys film baseball, but also he can carry himself on a baseball field. There isn't a better microcosm of the disconnect between Hollywood and sports sometimes in this uh, movie and some of these background scenes because Kevin Costner, the first day he's out on the mound shooting, he's throwing hundreds and hundreds of pitches in the first day of a 40-day shoot. (laughs) 
And so he comes back and his arm is completely tired and he tells the director, Sam Rainey, I can't keep doing this every single day. They completely had no idea that, you know, as a pitcher, you needed like a good three or four day rest in between outings. So they had Steve Donahue, who's now the the head athletic trainer. They had Gene Monahan, who was the head athletic trainer at the time. They got working on Costner every single day trying to get him ready for this shoot. And it is kind of a, a, a crazy miracle that got this to work because when you're doing movie sets, you're doing a, a scene, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. And a lot of them are just the same motion of pitching over and over again. So they really lucked out that they had the Yankees athletic staff on hand and ready to go because otherwise I'm not sure how Costner would have been able to do this. Well, you can imagine why Sam Raimi moved right from this into a uh, superhero Spider-Man <laughs> movies <laughs> yeah. where it's a lot easier to control here. Uh, Sam Raimi actually a big baseball fan. Cause I talked to the, the produ- one of the producers um, and he was telling me that this was one of his favorite things to do was he loved baseball. I guess he just didn't realize how detailed he needed to understand baseball. <laughs> See, Costner's got to know that going in, into it, though. Like you mentioned in the in the story that he played high school baseball, that nobody really needed to work on his mechanics with him or any of that. But did, I guess he forgot that throwing a lot of pitches hurts your arm. <laughs> I don't know why he decided that or why he didn't bring that up. Maybe he just assumed that the producers would, would schedule out his days differently. But the other side of the story that I kind of highlight in the second half is just the challenge of bringing in extras to Yankee Stadium. And what's great about this is it's a movie about Yankee Stadium fans, and they were able to bring a bunch of Yankee fans, real, you know, blue-blood Yankee fans, into the stadium. They had flyers, radio hits, newspaper ads saying, hey, we're going to be filming in Yankee Stadium for the next 30 days. We need, you know, however many hundred people every day. And so I talked to one of the unit directors who kind of was in charge of effectively moving people around the stadium because what they do is they get a camera on the field and this is the way it goes in a lot of movies when you have stadium shots is that you have to film with a certain angle that you can capture the fans in and then once that filming scene is done you say okay let's move the fans over to section 120 because we're, we're going from the third base side now it, it's this big optical illusion and they have to even include some cardboard cutouts. Some CGI was later added. And it does really, somehow, they're able to get Yankee Stadium to look like a full stadium almost every single shot. But it is, it just really evokes this crazy atmosphere. And a lot of it is jeering, too. The Yankee fans are not very kind in this movie. <laughs> We're, we're going to transition here into some other um, baseball movies so that Gary and I can feel like we're participating in the conversation. <laughs> but, you know, one, one of the things, obviously, like any normal human, I love Major League. But, like, you know, if you've watched Major League more than twice, it, you know, it's very easy to see that that's being filmed in Milwaukee County Stadium and Major League 2, for some reason, they're playing in Camden Yards. I still don't understand the Indians playing in the Orioles Stadium. Right. But there's just something about reading the story and, again, like I said, watching some of the scenes and just Kevin Costner and Kelly Preston, like you said, are the stars. But it's just so there's it's just so clear that, you know, the old Yankee Stadium is a star of this movie, too. And watching it now, you know, 11 years into new Yankee Stadium, it just has this real just incredible old timey feel to it. That's just so special to look mm-hmm. back on. And, you know, while well, I joke that I've not seen the movie or know much about the movie 
I loved the story. I loved that we did it. I thought you were crazy when you suggested it because um, <laughs> I thought everyone felt this way about the movie that I did. It turned out I was totally wrong about that. There are people who understandably adore this movie. It makes me want to now see this movie. <laughs> but uh, it's it, it's a great piece for love of the game. Again, it's in our October issue. And just to put a bow on this, the uh, realism of a perfect game being pitched by an aging veteran pitcher was kind of almost predetermined by the fact that David Cohn in 1999 in that summer actually did it in Yankee Stadium so in three or four months before this movie comes out it was almost like this great marketing campaign because David Cohn hey this guy did it when I watch Billy Chappell as Kevin you know Kevin Costner as Billy Chappell do it too that's not that's that's an awesome point so come back down to our level if you would for a second (laughs) um where would you rank this among some of your favorite sports movies I don't know if I would put this near the top only because so much of this is part of a romantic comedy or a romantic drama. And that's why I really wanted to highlight the sports elements of this. They somehow are able to thread the needle of getting the sports perfect in this and then not really the off the field stuff that well. So I wouldn't say this is the ultimate sports movie, but or even in that like top five tier. Baseball wise though, I think it, it's always been tough for me because I'm a huge Sandlot fan and I feel like little kids playing baseball without really even being in a league and just playing it for the love of the game, not to uh, strain that pun too much, uh, is <laughs> thanks something for, that, Thanks for listening, everyone. We're done. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> is something that I think still ranks up... Uh, if not at the top, it's very close. But I haven't done this mentally yet, so this is a good opportunity for me to really check. So let's let's not put Gary on the spot then. Gary, what are, what are you looking for in a sports movie, and what are your favorites? What am I looking for in a sports movie? I'm looking for it to be realistic. I'm looking for you know, a good mix of humor and drama. You know, I want there to be a little bit of everything. I want to feel like the stakes are real, but also it's a sports movie, so I don't want it to be super serious. What are you watching tonight? What am I watching tonight? If you had to pick a sports movie tonight. <laughs> what are you? Well, my favorite sports movie is Remember the Titans. Wow. But my favorite baseball movie is Hardball. <laughs> Which, you know. <laughs> he just turned for the, off. The, for, those uh, of you, for those of you that can't see John's face right now or Jake's face right now, we've had, we've had this discussion many times. Hardball with Keanu Reeves. With a young Michael B. Jordan, it's a phenomenal movie. It's one of the best baseball movies. And Sammy Sosa cameo. Sammy Sosa's in there. It is. A, if you have not seen Hardball, it is Keanu Reeves' finest work. Oh, I don't know. I would uh, that that last sentence. I, I do. I, I say that. I say that with the utmost confidence. John, anything you want to? I've, I've just checked out of this podcast so far. As <laughs> you guys of, had as of to have seen where this was going. As of all our listeners. We've, we've talked about this many times. You had to know well, this Well, bring us coming. back, John. What are your top sports movies? Cool Runnings. <laughs> Obvious choice. Cool Runnings is a near-perfect movie. Major League, certainly. The trifecta, if you will, of Major League, Bull Durham, and Field of Dreams. I'm, I'm here for the sap of Field of Dreams. I'm here for the silliness of Bull Durham. And obviously... Major League, just the all-around craziness. Although that, too, you know, tries to be romantic comedy in ways that are very weird at times. Very <laughs> weird. Um, I'm, I like Eight Men Out. Good movie. Yeah. You know, uh, Necessary Roughness. Ludicrous movie. Completely absurd, <laughs> but 
I'll always have a very special place in my heart. I don't know. There's just nothing that's ever going to be Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings is a perfect, perfect movie. Have you tried Hardball? <laughs> you have to stop. You have to stop. <laughs> Rest in peace, G, baby. Oh, my God. I think, yeah, I, I think Bull Durham, actually, now that I think about it, really does kind of hit all the boxes. And it's especially because, you know, you're you're talking about a movie that also has Kevin Costner as the aging guy, but on a minor league team. And I feel like I feel like people can connect with that a little bit more because there's there's a lot of people that make the major leagues, of course, but there's way more that never pan out, that never get there. And that character is such a great embodiment of baseball because he's still on the cusp of, of making it. And there is still a chase, but there's also this double duty of being someone that's trying to pass down some wisdom to a young pitcher that is crazy, you know, and that still goes on the bus rides and still has to deal with the things in life that he doesn't think he has to all the time. So that to me, I think, and, and that performance and Susan Sarandon, I mean, it just really works so well. I'm embarrassed now. I'm Bull Durham's definitely high on the list, like I said. Cool Running's absolutely number one for me, but I can't believe I just left out A League of Their Own, which is oh yes, just, there's, there is not a single wrong note in that movie. Every single thing about it is completely perfect. Tom Hanks, it's the best performance Tom Hanks has ever done. It's high praise. It is, but it, but it just so is. I mean, if you can't get joy out of any one of Jimmy Dugan's quotes <laughs> in that movie, I, I mean... Well, There's No Crying in Baseball basically cemented that line. I mean, that movie really created that line. Of course. I mean, and, I mean avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. <laughs> I mean, just... <laughs> that's never not funny to imagine signing a ball. <laughs> I feel like, you know the 80s 90s early 2000s like that's kind of like the golden age for sports movies what are you guys some more like recent favorites like more modern favorites what's up there for you guys there haven't been a lot i will say that and i think that is really true of the way that the movie industry has gone because we've seen more and more and this is kind of injecting some inside baseball stuff too but a lot of times people don't make sports movies because they know overseas people aren't going to understand a baseball movie they aren't going to understand a football movie they're always thinking about the the global box office so soccer soccer maybe might play a little bit more even in, in this day and age but there's another baseball movie where baseball is kind of in the background but it still kind of qualifies which is uh, everybody wants some by richard linkletter came out a couple years ago it's about a college group of college teams and, and and it takes over the course of three days right before college starts and it's just a bunch of baseball guys playing hanging out in in the big kind of frat baseball house and it's a really good embodiment of just the camaraderie of a team how there are just so many different personalities and how they try to coexist and how once they get on the field everybody just is almost a, a new identity. Link later, it should be noted, also has one of the greatest all-time baseball scenes in any movie ever, which is Dazed and Confused, the scene when Mitch is pitching and about to get beat up by the seniors. Yes. <laughs> just... And if I can even go further and just add a little uh, credit to myself, I actually did get to meet Richard Linkletter, and I addressed him about the one scene in the movie Boyhood, which Ethan Hawke takes uh, his his son and daughter to an Astros game, and he filmed inside Minute Maid Park. And I actually noticed that there was a continuity error because the Astros hit a home run in that movie, and they're wearing their white tops, <laughs> and then they round the bases, 
and I think it was like Mike Lamb, and he was wearing the red tops back when they had the old uniforms. And I said, I said, look, uh, you had to have filmed a couple days there. He's like, yeah, you got me there. If you, if you want to talk about my all-time favorite continuity error in a baseball movie, though, watch the end of Major League, the scene at the very end when um, Tom Berenger is staring into the crowd at Rene Russo, who's waving and showing that she's not wearing the ring. You see the same overweight guy run down on, in front of her onto the field like four times, and it's amazing. And it's like, <laughs> and, and he's just like so dead in the center of the scene that you have to wonder how bad the rest of the takes they had were that they kept running. They had they were forced to do that one. <laughs> First off, this isn't even that recent anymore, and secondly, it's a bit of a cheat. But I'm going to say Moneyball. Um, I didn't think Moneyball was a perfect movie in the way some people did. No. But I thought it was excellent. I thought that it, in a lot of ways, it reminded me, and we discussed this a little bit, Jake, and it reminded me of some of the things that you describe in this movie, in this story about For Love of the Game. The focus on just hyper realism in the background, while at the same time, you know, they're creating, you know, hybrid characters, and obviously the story is, you know, not all true, but it just like, it makes every bit of the Hollywoodization of baseball, it works a little better because it looks real and you, what you're seeing looks right. And you can't approach it from a baseball fan as saying, you know, well, that wouldn't happen or that's crazy. Like they got the details and the looks of things so right that w- with a critical eye that I took to it, you know, it, it made the movie really work for me. Yeah, no, Moneyball was going to be what I said. Like that'd be my serious one. Um, Benchwarmers, I don't know how recent that's considered at this point, but like that, that's always <laughs> worth a good laugh. And then, not a movie, but like I think Brock Myers hysterical. I don't know if you guys mm, have seen yeah. that, but like that's a really good series where I've heard amazing things about that. And also, Pitch was one of those things that I was gonna watch, I and did. then it got canceled, I and I, don't, I never got around to it. But you know, people loved that. Uh, it's a shame that it did stick around. I, Brock Myers always one of those things that I want to get to and watch. So you know, we've kind of gotten around the bend here a little bit, but. That's going to do it for this episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. As I've said a few times so far, just because it's the offseason, we're going to stick to our um, schedule. You don't have to worry that we're going away or anything like that. There might be a couple times here and there where we switch it off a day or something like that. But, you know, we want you to stick with us. We want you to email us, podcast at yankees.com, letters at yankees.com. Again, as I said, any letter that we choose to include in our mailbag episode will get entered in a drawing to win free tickets we'll go over the deal the the rules of that on a future episode once we have them ironed out but in the meantime you can certainly start emailing us um you know go to yankees.com slash magazine our stories are there anything you missed during the season you can read yankees.com slash podcast where this episode and all others will be please subscribe please tell your friends to subscribe and please rate and review us um preferably five-star reviews, but also tell us what we're doing wrong and just let us know what you want to see us do differently as we work our way toward the 2020 season. Who knows um, exactly what our format's going to be next year, what might be the same, what might be different, but our goal is to do something that you all enjoy. So let us know. And of course, yankees.com slash publications. You know, now is a good time to start heading over there because we're going to start putting up promotions for the holidays and things like that. And you definitely want to check those out in the past. We've done deals where, you know, you can subscribe and get two free tickets. And let me tell you, there is no better deal you can get for tickets than basically two tickets for $35, which is cheaper than one ticket. And it comes with the Yankees magazine subscription. So check that out, yankees.com slash publications. We look forward to speaking with you in two weeks. In the meantime, enjoy whatever it is you're doing in the next two weeks. And we'll speak to you right before uh, Thanksgiving. Have a good one. Bye. Hi, this is Tommy Canely. 
For more stories like the ones you've been hearing about, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app.